Good afternoon, good evening, and hello, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for downloading this episode of Under the Spotlight. Now, before we begin, we'd love to hear from you and your thoughts about this episode. So if you'd like to give us some feedback, please DM me at Hugh Burgess on Twitter. This episode may also contain some profanity or all the good stuff. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to Under the Spotlight. My name is Hugh Burgess, and I'm going to be taking you through this podcast today with Anthony Peterson. He says he's descended from Vikings and gypsies, so he loves travel, but he's never too sure what he'll do when he ends up there. So a very warm welcome to you, Anthony Peterson. It's nice to talk with you. How are you doing today? Thank you. It's awesome to get to talk to you. So, Anthony, you're an intake manager in a law firm, an artist, and also a musician. So can you tell us about Art Hunt and how that came about? What was your inspiration to take you there? Um, I, I, was, uh, I was in a kind of a dark place. So I was just sitting in my shed and... And uh, and I don't want to – people, I think, seem to want to make it bigger than what it is. But I will on occasion kind of have like uh, depressing thoughts or a suicidal thought where it's like, well, maybe I'll just kill myself or whatever. But I was sitting there and I thought like, oh, I mean, you know, things aren't going great. Maybe I'll kill myself. And, and uh, I thought about – my paintings for a minute, like it, it was like, well, all these paintings will end up in a landfill someplace. Like the last batch of paintings I lost, um, I lost about 200 paintings when I lost this house I was staying at for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so I was thinking about that and I thought, well, maybe I'll just give away the paintings first and then I'll, and then I'll just, you know, start wrapping things up and then I'll kill myself. And then like the kill myself thought went away pretty quickly but I was still like, like, man, but maybe giving away the paintings could be cool. I could, you know, maybe people would enjoy them and have them and, and, uh, and I'd have more room to make more. And, <laughs> you know, I just thought this, this could be just like a kind of a fun thing. So it, immediately like the, you know, the depression passed and it wasn't like, I wasn't miserable in there thinking, let's give away. It became an exciting thing. Like, yeah, let's give them away. You know, like this could be fun. Yeah. And then I went out and did a couple and nobody got them. Uh, but, <laughs> or I, yeah, I went out and put one yeah. at a donut store and I put one at a school. Um, and this woman, Carrie went out after them and she said they were both gone. Um, so I was like, wow, I mean, I I guess somebody got them. So that's cool. Hopefully I'll hear from them eventually. I still haven't. That was over a month ago and those paintings are just gone. Whoever has them didn't ever let me know. Um, but then finally, like on the, uh, the third one I dropped off, I heard back from the person that found them and it was like, it was really exciting and, and, uh, and it, it ended up being a pretty good, crazy idea. And what what are your feelings on um, putting your art out there for for anyone to take? Is there like a vulnerability that comes with that? Yeah, I think there's a vulnerability with sharing it more than anything, mm-hmm. uh, because then you're opening yourself to be judged. But I've I've been so open about everything I've done for so long. It's like, yeah, maybe my paintings suck, or maybe my music sucks, but there's there's probably something that uh, that I do that people might like. <laughs> Wow. 
So would you say that that um, started in your early 20s or was this something throughout your life in general? No, I, I think I started uh, trying to paint in my like mid to late 20s. I got gifted a bunch of paints and I tried it and I hated it. And uh, it, like it, it, I couldn't rest my hand on the canvas the way I could when I drew. And it was frustrating and I didn't like it. But my brother had gifted me a bunch of canvases and paints one Christmas and I hated it. And then uh, for some reason I couldn't stop doing it even though I hated it. So I just kept doing it. And then I sort of found uh, – I got comfortable with the medium and and I don't know if I was any good. But I, for a while there I'd, I'd paint all night every night for a couple of years. Yeah, I remember um, I went through a very similar process. I got a, a paint set for Christmas and I just about broke down in embarrassment. Um, it was almost like my parents were kind of encouraging me to use color because yeah. uh, I was very much a pencil person. Like I never used any color when I was doing art in school. And yeah. I got these, it, paint for me is a fear. That's one of my fears is just I can't go near it. And maybe that's what's holding me back from sort of opening a door there but um so that was that became something for you that was a focus like a creative outlet would you say yeah it was it was nice because i i i kind of would go back through these phases so i would go really heavy into a music phase if i got frustrated with music or kind of felt like i had a creative block i could just listen to some music and paint and, and go into like a painting mode for a while and I didn't I, – I, my paintings were terrible, but I began to found, find some joy in doing it. It was just yeah. like a, a nice, calm, relaxing way to spend an evening. I would just sit in my garage and, you know, relax, have a few drinks and just relax and do it. But I, I never thought I was any good. And then later it was proven to me that I wasn't any good when I showed some of my stuff to a gallery owner who – uh, didn't care for it. What What would you say your friends and your family, the, their reactions were for your paintings initially? And then from where we are now, what would you, has it changed or do you, have you have a, you have, have you found a focus in your painting? No, I think, I think the people, the people's reactions are always very mixed. There's the people that just never got it. And then you have, you know, like, like there's definitely some friends that have always been supportive of it and always liked the paintings. And, and I don't know if they really like the paintings or if they're just good friends, you know, and then like nice people. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even think I'm a good painter. I think I have a couple of good paintings that, that I mean, at least there's a couple that I like, but I, I'm not an intentional painter. I never sit down and go like, well, this is what I, the vision I had in my head and I'm going to execute that vision. I can't do that. So until I can do that, I'm not going to feel like a good painter. So you're, you're embracing like a lucidity to your painting. Yeah. And I've, I've completely embraced that failure is, is part of the process. So, I mean, I can't sit down and just do one painting and have it be done it's generally it's three or four layers of failure and then just continually working at it it gets better and becomes you know the finished painting but it, it never looks finished to me unless there's those little happy mistakes that i build on and you know it's just layers of failure and i just keep at it until i finally like it and what's your favorite piece 
Oh, man. I mean, it's hard to not say Lovebot because it's, you know, raised money for charity at this point. And and uh, I think that image is kind of a perfect image to use as a as a, you know, uh, fundraiser piece for for charity. But I don't know. I, I, I painted this giant painting mountain years ago and it's just humongous and it took me forever to do. And I really love that. That might be one of my favorites. A pink guy that uh, this guy uh, uh, John got out at LACMA. I left him out at LACMA. I thought he was pretty great too. There's a few. I mean, over over all the years of painting, though, like there's a handful that stand out out of hundreds of paintings. Would you say that there was a, a reflection on your your mood at the time for the paintings? No, I don't think there is. Uh, for the most part, I'm just having a nice time when I'm painting. It's it's pretty. It's pretty zen. I just put on some music and sit in there and just enjoy myself in my shed. Just have a quiet night, you know. It's I, yeah. I I don't feel like I'm very moody when I'm in the process or anything. And some of the paintings do look kind of sad or depressing. But I don't know if that's really a reflection on me or if it's just you know what it uh, what happens with the the art. I don't. It's just. I don't know. I, I don't put a whole lot of thought into it. And what's your daily routine? Is this becoming integrated in part of your daily routine? It depends. If it's if I'm in a heavy painting mode and I'm I'm uh, really focused on that or really enjoying it, it'll I'll do it almost daily. But it only takes a couple of bad days in a row where I'm like, yeah, I'm done for a bit. So I, you know, if I I'll go two, three days of hating everything I paint and then I'll have one night and I'll finish four things and love them. But if I go two to three nights in a row of hating everything I start, I'm like, it's time for a break. Yeah. Okay. I see. And what would you say for others in a similar mindset? I don't, yeah, I would say just keep it a thing that you enjoy and be mindful of, um, you know, when when it becomes work or no fun with any passion like that. I mean, you're a musician. It's the same thing with music. If it becomes frustrating, it's time to take a break. Yeah, I totally understand you. And what kind of uh, feedback have you had on online um, since the art hunt went? Is it appropriate to say viral it, since it's become more uh, in the newspapers and so on? Yeah, I guess so. Um <clears throat> The reaction has been mostly good. I've seen some negative stuff, but I think most of that is more directed at me personally than than the actual art hunt. But yeah, I I think the people that are engaged with it are are my kind of people. So they're yeah. polite and they like art and they want to be supportive. I I still don't know if people are supporting this whole movement and thing because they like the paintings or if they just like me. And I don't know if I really care, honestly. <laughs> where, where do you see yourself going forward from this? Do you see this as a continuing project in the future? I don't know. I, I've had offers from people to go all around the world now and, and continue this art hunt in, in other countries. And, and that kind of, that, that's attractive to me, but I also think, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm also starting to feel that pull towards music, and I'm thinking maybe I'll take a, a big, long painting break here. Mm -hmm. 
I've been like forcing myself to stay in painting mode while like uh, there's a documentary being made right now about this whole art hunt thing. And I've been forcing myself to stay in painting as much as possible while this is all happening. But I really am starting to get sick of it. And I'm thinking I might want a, a nice long break, go work on a new album, something like that. And what can you tell us about your um, album that's currently out? Karen's, uh, I think, album number 21 for me. Um, Most of them are really bad. I started releasing long before I had any right to. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) I had a friend whose uh, father had a a distribution, um, what's it called? Uh, he had a company, and, and he showed us how to distribute our music on iTunes and Amazon and all that stuff long before it was as easy as it is now. Um, so I started putting out stuff right away. And, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of a lot of the early stuff, but uh, the last three or four albums, I think, have been pretty good. And uh, and Karen... I don't know. I I put out two albums um, in like maybe the last six months. There was this album Fuggler, which is really personal and unique and bizarre. And these sort of um, drum machines, vintage drum machines run through synth filters and like using that as the basis for songs. And it it felt really freeing and creative. And then Karen was a lot of stuff that was uh, maybe – maybe uh, five, six years old. They were kind of the last songs that I had started on before I took a break from music for a while. Uh, So it was kind of like collaborating with an older version of myself. And then I tried to, you know, work in some kind of deeply personal stuff about a failed relationship and my divorce and some heavy shit that I had gone through. And, uh, you know, I acted acted out in a very public way by putting out that album. I never asked uh, Karen how she felt about it, but it's got to be weird to have your ex-husband write an album about you. And uh, do you think that that's something uh, maybe helped with a healing, would you say? Or like like you say with your painting, as a, as a way of a calm, would you say that your music is the same kind of feeling for you? Boy, with some stuff, the music definitely can be healing and it can be therapeutic, but I don't know. I, I mean, with with the Karen album, it might have been really unhealthy for me, actually, because it's I, I don't I don't know the right answer because I don't know if if uh, dwelling on my my love for her is healthy because it's it's what I you know, still crave and want is that relationship back in my life, or mm. if that's really unhealthy at this point, and I should be just dropping it and moving on. And I've been I've been caught in between that for you know the entire time since the divorce. Basically, it's like, what do I do? I mean, are are my emotions lying to me? Is this love for her something that I pursue and continue to try and fight for, or am I? completely ruining my life by focusing on something that's over and i don't know man i don't know at all how long ago was that it's about uh five years ago now and what what was it like in your younger years then would you say what was your what was your lifestyle like before everything before your your music before your paintings i drew a lot 
I uh, I wanted to be a like a comic strip artist, so I'd sit and draw these little goofy characters, and then I got into comic books, and I would make my own comic books. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I was always a creative kid, so I was always mm. trying to find some sort of creative outlet to, you know, impress people. <laughs> I think we're all yeah, – there's a part of everybody who wants to impress others. I think I can definitely relate to that. I might have some kind of borderline in, – in, uh, I don't know. Um, I want to connect with people. I think that's been my theme. And you want to matter. I think we all want to. We all want to uh, feel somewhat important or special. Right. And it got me through like a lot of shit jobs in my like teens and twenties. You know, I'd be like like a guy that worked at the gas station, but you know, but I'm also a musician, you know, and I also write poetry, or you know, like it helped me feel special when I needed a little something extra to make me feel special. Yeah, that's kind of important, you know, to identify yourself as more than your career, or you know, more than your your station in life. You know, I live in a fucking trailer park. Like it's real easy to throw trailer trash at my way, but. <laughs> But I feel like I, I'm a little more than that, you know. I'm a, I'm a painter and I make music and I just, I don't, you know. I'm just with everything. I think it's just about trying to, you know, show the world who you are on the inside and all the complexity and all of the, you know, various facets of your personality. Well, I I don't know if you've you've probably heard this hundreds of times, but I think you're a very interesting fascinating human being with an amazing uh niche uh if that's the right word like you found i feel like when i look at you and your work i think that guy's found his thing you know and i think that's reflected in your style of painting your your paintings seem to all have a similar theme and a structure um would you say that you came about that structure through your paintings through the continuous work that you kind of came to this um, similarity of, of the paintings? I'm not saying that they're all the same, but the, the, no, the style? I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. I, my style changed drastically when I started painting again last year. Okay. Uh, the previous paintings, they were kind of all over the map stylistically, and I think I was kind of figuring out what I was doing there for a long time. But I don't know. There's something about last year, because... I met with that gallery owner and he told me that my paintings were terrible and that people that painted the way I painted would never get better. And, and I remember, uh, just thinking like, wow, okay, well, you know, I guess, I guess that's the end of that. And, um, and I stopped painting for a long time, but when I started again last year, it was purely just for the joy of it. Like it was so much more freeing because I didn't have any expectation of painting anything good. You know, it was just, I'm just going to enjoy the process. And somehow I think that was, that was the key to actually making it, making it better. Would you say that that was like a releasing from wondering what it would turn out like and just embracing, as you say, the process? Yeah, and and I I wasn't trying to be a painter anymore. I was just gonna enjoy what I was doing rather than try and think about what people would like and try and paint like that. 
it's much better if you just go in there and see what happens and enjoy the process. Because at least if nobody likes it, you had fun and you were true to your own, you know, vision of what the evening was going to be. So I don't know. There was definitely a change, though. And it, it's weird that I took so many years off. I mean, I, I have having a hard time pinpointing exactly how long it was, but it might have been like like seven to nine years that I took off of painting before I got back to it. Mm -hmm. Is there something you listen to while you paint or do you just take it in the, in the peace and quiet you paint in the peace and quiet, or do you have any music that you listen to? Yeah, I usually listen to music. Um, and, uh, it, it varies. My musical tastes are all over the place. Lately I've been really enjoying either classical or jazz because it it kind of adds to the the zen you know like jazz especially if you listen to like bebop or something that chaotic it can be this energizing force but it also you know your your brain's not focused on lyrics or with lyrical music i think we can kind of get pulled into like nostalgic thoughts or something like that and and i don't like that i'm i'm in it for the rea relaxing part of just sitting in there and, and getting out of my own brain for a while. When you get that focused on something, it's almost like a drug, that relaxation of just not having to think about shit, you know? Would you say that came from uh, the stemming of saying about if this doesn't work out that you could just kill yourself? That that was almost like, uh, well, if this, if this isn't going to go anywhere, I've got this option. Or would you find that uh, you're going to get all this work out before moving on to something else? I don't know. I mean, I think it's just more about what I feel like doing in the moment. Just, oh, I'm going to enjoy this for tonight. Um, and that's and that's become how many nights? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been at it for over a year now, back at painting. And... Yeah, I don't I don't know. I like it and but I don't know I don't know if I could really be happy if this was all I did, you know? Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to explore other I mean, who knows? I might get way into scrimshaw or, you know, crocheting or something at some <laughs> point down the road because there is a, there's like a fun in exploring a completely new medium and just well, I'll just try that out. I always feel like if I like lost my legs or something, I'll become a sculptor, you know, like I'm going to take up something completely different to what I do just now. Yeah, um, I, I have those thoughts all the time with like music. I would think, well, what if I what if I lost my hands? And I think, well, I'd probably try and <laughs> try and do some cool acapella album like Bobby McFerrin, you know, like, like I think it'd be a fun challenge and, and actually stay in it and keep keep producing stuff would you say that that is uh how your 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 sense of humor comes through in your tweets because you have one of the most interesting tweets uh when you chip out every now and then yeah I, i've got a weird brain man yeah 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 it's but it's it's like uh what was the one that i i think it was the very first time i ever came across your twitter and it was the one about the skeleton or something or or no oh, it was uh it was the skeletor jesus one where it was like uh <laughs> yeah. let him who is without sin cast the first stone and then skeletor throws a stone and he goes i'm sorry uh <laughs> have, did you say skin or sin i don't have any ears yeah yeah yeah, 
Yeah, it's that kind of thing. And uh, I think you recently put out like a Twitter moments of the, the best of your son's uh, reactions to things. And it seems like it's that element of play. Like it's the, uh, it's just abstract thinking. It's like, it's thinking outside the box about things. I'm so proud of him and his, yeah. his weird thoughts. Like we connect over this weird kind of unique worldview, I think. What would you say is like your favorite sentence he's ever said to you? Oh, boy. I I think some of the early stuff, because kids can just be really real with you and honest. And sometimes it's withering shit. Where <laughs> One time he was like, <laughs> like maybe three or something. And I was getting him to bed and I told him, I love you to infinity and beyond. And he pointed to the other side of the room and he was like, I love you to over there. <laughs> and like, if you just dissect just the words, it sounds like a dig. But for a three-year-old, that's like a good 20 feet away. That's a big distance. I mean, I think yeah. he was genuinely trying to be sweet. Yeah. I think that's something which is lost with time as well. It's it's almost like a swan song when you hear something like that. Like reading those tweets, I was trying to think back to times when I would want to have shark fins or I would want to have like ostrich legs or something like that. And, you know, it's it's almost the imagination is dulled over time. I definitely feel like my imagination dulled, though. At a certain point, I think when we stop playing with toys, that it's it's a big problem like i there there's a clear shift where you go from like being into toys to like the only acceptable thing to play with is like video games there's a transition there because i remember having like complex stories with my toys and you know there is a i i felt like every day i could have written a movie because i i played out these intense action you know scenes with my toys and then at a certain point you just you get to the point where you just want to be entertained and you become a teenager and it's like i'll watch movies or i'll play a video game but i we don't nurture our imaginations enough i think yeah I'm, i remember um playing with my brother outside uh i know we were in the kitchen and we were we were imagining we were going through a cave we were going under a table and I, I don't know, this has stuck with me for forever. But um, I turned to uh, this this big armchair and it's supposed to be like a mountain or something. And I said, oh my God, what is that? And my brother goes, I think it's a chair. And it was just like, it completely dissolved. <laughs> the, whole, you know, like the whole illusion was gone. And I was like, I turned to him, I was like, no, 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 no. It's it's something else. Like, And then we, we I think maybe the... Um, the act of performing came in my childhood when our dad got us a um, tape recorder. And so we would we would just press record and improvise and make these plays. And one like really high budget play that we made once, this was always to impress our parents. You know, our parents were always looking other other ways. So we would always like tug on their on their shirt and say, oh, listen to this. We, we've recorded this thing. And it was some bullshit for about five or 10 minutes. But one time we had this, uh, it was a cave thing again. I don't know why it's caves, but I had a glass of water beside the microphone and I was flicking my finger in the water. So it sounded like dripping water. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this cave is huge. And then my, my fucking brother goes, let's close the curtains. And he shuts the curtains. <laughs> and I said, no, it's an audio. It's audio. Like you can't see light, you know, in an audio. That always, oh man. Anyway, on that note, I wrote down some things I'd like to ask you. Um, 
I had a weird thought just now. We were just talking about the the. I'm sorry to derail. No, go go go. This is just a strange thought I was thinking about. You know how the kids who like immediately get into sports and they're that's their thing. They never tend to be the most imaginative kids. I wonder if that's because they don't they stop the playing with the toys and creating in their brain and they just, you know, stick to these games that have rules and you know what I mean? Oh, like boundaries. Yeah. Like they, it's like, yeah. like they get into that and the imagination sort of dies. Like I wasn't a sports kid cause it wasn't fun to me. I didn't get to sort of invent, but I don't know. It's just a weird thought I had. I think you can, <clears throat> you can nurture your imagination and some of the positive parts without, completely you know halting your development like there's some cool stuff about being an adult there really is but you could still have an imagination yeah yeah i remember the great surprise when i got to uni and i realized i could actually study what the fuck i was doing for 20 years you know imagine how sad it is that that they're going to miss out on the experience of just being an adult and learning how to be an adult like that those are crucial life experiences and they won't have them they will they will not be able to relate to the rest of the world because they never were able to just become a normal person that's sad well the people that are in sports no the people that are uh, halted and still living like children on into their adult life yeah Uh... Yeah, I think it's maybe like there's it's almost like a institutionalized feeling, you know, like it gets to the point where you almost accept where you are and you never will go further. It definitely is. It's um, like an alcoholic choosing to drink like it's detrimental to your life, but you're just going to keep locked into it. That that seems really unhealthy. Uh, I'd like to ask you, I've got Five questions for you. Just quick fire questions, okay? So, what animal, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be and why? Man, I think, uh, I think, like, there's there's definitely some, some right answers for comfort of living. And so, like, a domestic dog or cat, that's pretty good. Because you know somebody takes care of you, you'll be comfortable. Any any of the <laughs> any of the like wild animals, you know, who knows? It's rough out there, you know. I I, I think they've got it pretty easy. <laughs> I don't think they do. I mean, if you're you got to go out and hunt for your food and stuff. If you're just like a domestic dog, you're getting fed, you're getting loved like more than any other creature. Yeah, I think I think I'd go with like a domestic dog. Okay. And if you could bring back someone from the past, historical, fictitious, someone close to you, someone far away, who would it be and why? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, I, there's, uh, I would love, I'd love to say like somebody like Bill Hicks because I loved his comedy so much. And I would love to see what what he would be saying about the current era. But there's so many other better answers. I mean, you could say people that could, like, make an actual difference, you know. Um, there's so many great people we've lost over the years. Boy, it, it, there's really no wrong answer with these. But, yeah, I'll, I'll go with Bill Hicks or okay. uh, George Carlin. I loved Carlin. Um, oh, he, he is definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's probably in my top three. I'd bring him back. 
those guys were my guys growing up. It was like them and Gallagher. Somehow in my child brain, I put Gallagher up in the same like echelon as Bill Hicks and George Carlin. Like those were the three best comedians. Okay, next one. Um, if you could, if you're on a uh, desert island and you have one food that grows there permanently for the rest of your life that you would eat, what would it be? Oh boy, whatever you go with. Right, so are we going like vegetable? Uh, like you're not going to get ill from it. It's not going to be something that's detrimental to your health or anything. It could be anything. It could be like, it could go like, like bacon or something. You wouldn't get sick of bacon? Um, no, I ba- I wouldn't go bacon, but but I was just clarifying that I could go with like a meat. I think I'd go chicken, just, you know. Okay. So you you would be ripped basically. You'd be on an island to be ripped. Yeah, I would just I'd be fully keto. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite word? Boy, there's um it can be a curse word. It can be any word. Yeah. What is my favorite word? I like I've always liked the sound of prestidigitation. That's a great one. Wow. What does that mean? I don't know, <laughs> but it's a word. Uh, I always I like the sound of homunculus as well, which homunculus. is like a homunculus was this old alchemist uh, thing. There there used to be recipes where you know with the right amount of uh, mercury and semen you could create a tiny man in a jar called a homunculus. And, but it has just this great rounded, you know, homunculus. It's just got to – it flows, you know. Um, man, yeah. if I would have prepped, there's a few words that I've used uh, in my writing quite a bit that I love. I like. No, I, I, wanted to ca- I wanted to catch you on the cusp of your thoughts. I didn't want yeah. you to think about these too much. I um, love ER words because there, there's like a um, – there's a like a strength to them, you know, like trucker and like, uh, you know, busker and uh, uh, butler. There's just like there's. A, Is that why you got Fuggler? Yeah. Fuggler yeah. was exactly it. I saw a guy uh, on the Internet who had a Fuggler tattoo on his arm. And that was his last name. And I was like, man, that is a great ER word. And I've got quite a few of those uh, uh, ER kind of nonsense word titles in my music throughout the years. There's like Flusker was the name of a song. And um, uh, there's there's a few kind of nonsense words that I invented that uh, that I used. And it, it, they're always like ERs. I, I really like the ERs. OK, I see. And uh, what is your favorite joke? Oh, okay. Um, it's uh, it's a dirty one. That's okay. Um, so there's. Uh, I think I think with you it's going to be a dirty joke. I'm I'm prepared <laughs> for this. And it's it's not my joke, but I love this joke. Um, so there's uh, there's uh, two gorillas, and they're at the zoo, and they're looking down at the lions. And the one gorilla says, see that lion down there? He thinks he's such hot shit. I'm going to go down there and I'm going to fuck that lion in the ass. And the other gorilla's like, don't do it, man. Don't do it. And he's like, no, I'm going to do it. So the gorilla goes down there and he sneaks up on the sleeping lion and he starts fucking him in the ass. And the lion turns around to go attack him and he takes off running. And he's running all through the zoo and this lion's just tearing after him. And finally... 
the gorilla thinks, I'll go into the guard shed. And he gets into the guard shed and he puts on the guard sh- the guard uniform and the hat and he sits at the desk and he opens up the newspaper and pretends to be a guard sitting there. And the lion runs in and he's all out of breath and he goes, did you see that gorilla? And the gorilla puts down the paper and he says, you mean the uh, gorilla that fucked the lion in the ass? And the lion goes, it's in the papers already? <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That that's uh, that reminds me of a joke. Um, there's uh, oh god, this might be offensive. There's <laughs> I, I mean I'm I'm Scottish, so I all, I grew up with an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman jokes. Yeah. And there's an Englishman, an Irishman, and a Scotsman, and they're running away from the Germans. I don't know why they're Germans, but it's in the joke. It's the Germans, and they jump into three bins. And the first, uh, the the soldiers run up to the bin and they kick the first bin. And the Englishman says, uh, uh, "Wolf, uh, wolf, wolf, wolf." And he goes, "Oh, it's it's just a dog, um, Hermit or whatever the guy's name he turns to." Kicks the next bin and the Scotsman goes, um, uh, "Meow, meow, meow, meow." And he goes, "Oh, it's it's just a cat. It's just a cat, Dermot." And then he kicks the last bin and the Irishman goes, uh, b- "Potatoes." I don't know. <laughs> I just... <laughs> It's so, like, so fucking stupid. I just I don't know. I I really like that. I li- yeah. there's an Irish joke that I like that's uh, uh, phenomenal. It's about Irish people coming to uh, America, sort of in the um, you know the old west. So these two Irish guys they uh, they come out and uh, and somebody tells them that they can get ten dollars a head scalping Indians. And they set off and they get guns and they get horses and they ride off to go scalp these Indians. And the, at one point they end up uh, in, a, in a canyon and they're just surrounded by uh, Indians. They all kind of come around the hills and this entire pack of uh, this tribe of Indians comes to attack them. And one Irishman turns to the other and he goes, we're going to be rich. I, oh, no, I'm sorry. I totally missed that. I, I don't. Oh no, you you might need to explain it to me. I'm really sorry. <laughs> just that, just that they're you know gonna get all those scalps. The fact that that uh, you know they could uh, you know possibly take out an entire tribe surrounding them like that. I'm so sorry. I don't get it. <laughs> no, I like it. Okay, I've okay. I've written a couple that always bomb on Twitter, and I think because people misread them. But one of the the jokes that just I wrote that just cracks me up to this day is uh, the weirdest place I ever took a shit was to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's so my kind of humor. I love that. The, every time I tweet it, though, people read it wrong and they think I'm saying. <laughs> at the zoo not to the zoo and then i get a bunch of replies of weird places people have taken a shit before you know (laughs) that's that's funny as fuck we used to (laughs) we used to have things like um in school like if someone came up and they said oh a bird just shot on me then we would always have to say but did you take her on a date first (laughs) that's good oh anyway Oh, well, um, Anthony, I forgot to mention that you go on Twitter by Octopus Caveman. Can you quickly tell us where that came from? Where did you get that handle? There's uh, there's a story that I told people for years. So I, I thought that it was the title of a poetry book. So I, I wrote a lot when I was a teenager and I would when the book was completed, I would title the book and just, you know, there'd be art in there and poems and then 
I, I still have all of these poetry books I saved. And I thought forever that there was one that I had called Octopus Caveman. And uh, when I first recorded my very first thing in music, I was like, well, I definitely don't want people to know my real name. So I'm going to use an alias and it could be cool to use that title from that book. So I said Octopus Caveman. And then uh, years later, I had been telling that story for years to people when they asked me. I went and I found that book. So I got my box of all my old poetry books and I found the book and it's not fucking in there. I didn't write that (laughs) on that book at all. I didn't title it at all. So I don't rightly know. And uh, and so I've been going by Octopus Caveman since, I don't know, like 2000, 2001, something like that. And um, apparently there's a Guided by Voices song that uh, has the, the words in it, like, here comes the octopus caveman. But I had never heard that song. And I get accused often in, like, YouTube comments. They're like, why'd you steal your name from fucking Guided by Voices? I'm like, I didn't, I was not even aware of that song until long, long after. But, yeah, I don't rightly know. But I, I know it was this just two very strange words that match together in a weird way. I, you know, I don't know. Was it like a, like a Mandela effect where you've heard it, but then you forgot that you heard it or that you read it somewhere, but then it's almost like a, it appears as a, almost um, an inception. And in... it's going to sound sad that I've like Google searched the, <laughs> the term that is my, my name. But uh, I've only ever found two things that had those two words together, and it was like a guy on an old uh, f- like forum on the internet that was very right wing, and I thought, well, this is weird, and I don't, I think he might, uh, he might be after me, and then that guided by voices song, which, you know, I guess it's it's been out for a while, but. I was never a Guided by Voices fan. I still to this day have not heard any other song. Of course, I had to listen to that one because I was like, how weird. It's got my name in it. But yeah, I don't think it's anything like that. And I I mean, the poetry book that I thought I had titled Octopus Caveman, they are poems from the point of view of an octopus and a Neanderthal and how they view the world. Right. So it's like the octopus is clever and just... uh, uh, but but also just leaving the world as it is. And the Neanderthal in the thing is is kind of stupid, but trying to change the world around him. And that was what that poetry book was about. Mm-hmm. They're not very good, but conceptually, I'm like, that was, a, that was a pretty good swing for the fences at like 16 or whatever. But yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know where the name came from. There was a story I told for years and then it turned out to not be true. <laughs> so you had to go back and tell everybody. Yeah, I guess. Like, hey, do you remember ten years ago we had that conversation? <laughs> Bad oh, news, man. Dad, I was lying to you. I um, I had this unhealthy obsession with notebooks. Um, not like a sexual thing. It was like uh, <laughs> I when I was when I was doing my thesis uh, in uni. I went into this stationery shop and I got this um, big brown notebook, uh, which was like the the cover was this really soft leather and it was just really beautifully made. And I did my thesis in this, I wrote all my notes in this thesis, like 30 pages. 
And then I lost the book for years. But during that time, I heard about moleskin books. Yeah. And so I started buying those. And I thought that this book was a moleskin book. And I recently uh, found it and I brought it back over with me to Germany from Scotland, um, living in Germany now. And it was like, it was like a, a moment in a film and the sort of climax of a detective film. I turned the book around and at the bottom it said Ryman's, which is a completely different make of cover. But I believed for years that this was a moleskin book. And I couldn't find it online anywhere because it doesn't exist, you know? Right, it was, right. It was that same kind of feeling. Like, you think it's one thing and it's a completely different... I have no idea where the idea came that it was moleskin. You know, it's they're completely different books. You know, it's so it's, this is crazy about, like, moleskins. I, I got a couple uh, early on. And, and I used to, like, writing was my big thing before I ever got into music. I just write poetry, fill up all these notebooks with it. And then even when I was writing uh, music and started down that path, it was still loads and loads of poetry. And... Um, I would just fill these notebooks, and I remember getting a couple of moleskins and thinking, like, okay, I'll start writing in these nice ones, and I never would. Like, I revered them too much, and I never wanted to put down anything, but then I would just fill up these, like, cheap composition notebooks with, like, a cat on the front, you know? I actually have a collection of found notebooks because before us, uh, you know, keeping everything in our phones and on our computers – People would have day planners and notebooks, and sometimes they'd leave them at the bus stop, and I'd find them. And I have, like, this intimate relationship with these three people's notebooks that I have where, I mean, this one uh, this one woman was a doctor, and she was clearly a planner. And in in this book, she's planning out her entire life. Like, uh, you know, she's going to need a game room for her children and the, the qualities in a man she's looking for and yeah. uh, what type of shoes she wants to wear at her wedding. Like, it's such a weird, intimate peek into her life. And her name isn't in there. Her phone number isn't in there. It's just this woman that I, you know, got to read about 20 years ago and I've still got her, her little journal. Well, that would be amazing if you could reach out and find her again. Yeah, there's no would, name in there. It's it's would, all. Would you give it back? A, yeah, definitely. I think I would probably give it back and say I didn't read it <laughs> for so many years. I'd feel so violated if somebody found one of my old ones if it had all of that stuff in there. That kind of feels like it circles back to your art hunt in a way. Like, is this become almost a reflection of finding someone else's work that you're letting people find your work? Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. <laughs> I'll let you think about that. But um, uh, Mr. O.C. Anthony, it's so kind of you to come in and, and to speak with me. I really thank you for that. Your hashtag art hunt, you can find that on Twitter. You can find Anthony at Octopus Caveman on Twitter and also his album Karen on iTunes. So, Anthony, thanks very much for speaking with me. Thank you. This has been awesome. Thank mm-hmm. you.